Hello and welcome to Sobertown Podcast, which is available across all of our streaming platforms and at www.sobertownpodcast.com where you can hear all of our podcasts and everything sobriety. There is so much more there. There are resources and links and even a link to our new Facebook page, which is a fast growing community. This podcast will also be on my YouTube channel, Positive Recovery with Karina, and on my Instagram channel at canamgirl.uk. Where I have found actually recently, there's lots and lots of good Sabre support. As many of you, I started my journey on the I Am Sabre app, and you can find me as Karina Dottypot, currently at 750 days. But recently, although I've always been on Instagram, recently I found out there's some really good Sabre support on there. And my last interview was with Happy Without the Hooch, also known as Michael. And we talked about Sober Socials, which was a great podcast. It was really good for me to dip my toes out of the I Am Sober community. And also then I did my Positive Recovery with Karina podcast was the A to Z, or just some extracts of my book. And then a lovely chap called Nigel Jones contacted me, also known as 9KM, 9 kilometers by 9AM. A little bit crazy, I think, but I'm going to hear much more about it. I'm not a great walker or mover. And he said to me that he'd written a book too. So I said, let's do a podcast together and talk sobriety books. So I'm very happy to have here with me today, Nigel. Hello. Hello. Good to be here. And thanks very much for having me on. You're welcome. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm very good, actually. I think since going alcohol free almost two years ago, life has completely changed for me. So I'm, I tend to, when I say, people say, how are you these days? And I actually really do mean that I'm good. I think it's a classic sort of response. Say, yeah, everything's okay. But no, it is, it is good. I've, I've never felt better, really. So yes, I'm great. That's fantastic. And I think also as well, do you find that you tell the truth more in sobriety? So actually, if we're not good, because I always used to find it really hard to ask for help, really difficult. And we always do it. We're very British. And we always say, yeah, I'm fine. And we're not, and, you know, you're welcome to falling apart and say, yeah, I'm fine. But I think in sobriety, I've t- learned to be a bit more authentic and truthful and actually say, well, I'm getting on all right. But actually, do you find that? Yeah, I, 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 I'm, not- I'm definitely more authentic in, in everything that I do with myself and with others. I think taking alcohol out of the equation just makes you an all round sort of more present person. And I think that that presence living more in the now helps you with things like anxiety, which I, when I drank, I mean, the, the anxious moments that alcohol creates are just huge. And they're just taking, as I say, the, the alcohol out of the equation gets rid of anxiety. So yeah, I'm much more present and I'm much more sort of in tune with my, my myself. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think I've just done a blog this morning, actually, about sort of everything that I've been through over the last sort of two and a half years. And I think it's still ramping up this end with health issues with family members, very close family members and that. And I'm like, how have I dealt with everything? And then it's, it's because I'm sober. It's because I'm sober and I have sober communities because I wouldn't have coped this well with stuff had I been drinking still? No, completely. Yeah, for me, so my story is I, it started, my alcohol-free journey started on December the 8th, 2020. So I'm sort of 21 months into the journey and absolutely loving it. And I was saying in my book, which, which came out last month, that the two most important days in your life, which is a Mark Twain quote, which is the two most important days in your life, the day you were born and the day you found out why. And really for me, 
know, December the 8th, 2020 was that day. It was the birth of the new me, effectively, the alcohol free me. Up to that point, probably been drinking maybe 35, 36 years. Started when I was 18, going to university, just became the normal thing to do. And then, yeah, basically over the years, because my work, my, my career was in public relations and marketing, you just ended up in bars with clients and alcohol was just weaved into every part of my life. It, it was ongoing. And, and so I think over those 36 years, I, I probably only did a handful of days where I went more than say three days without alcohol. The longest I went was six days. And the, the irony is I rewarded myself with a drink for making it to six days, <laughs> yeah. which looking back on it was just madness. But there were thousands of day ones where I thought I could do this, but alcohol's pull is so big. It's everywhere around us. It took me until my mid fifties to really wake up, smell the coffee and say, right, this is it. I'm going to do this. And yeah, in late 2020, I became alcohol free and I've never looked back. That's amazing. I love that quote. That's a really great quote. I, that's amazing. And it's my, my, my fellow's birthday that day, actually, 8th of December. That's his birthday. So he would have been 55 on that day. And okay. so, yeah, we both got sober at the age of 55. And yeah, it's just, you really, I, the thing is, I'm also talking to friends as well, actually, who don't have alcohol problems, who are the same age as me, and they are also finding their meaning of life a little bit more. So I think it's a little bit of mid-life stuff. So I think it's a great time to get sober in a great age. Not that I'm suggesting for one minute that people wait to their mid-50s to get sober. Do it as soon as you possibly can, or as soon as you feel the need, because there's lots of years that I've missed out on I think having waited this long but like we've had lots of trial runs haven't we given it several day ones several good days several I'm never doing it again and what was really interesting there was when you said the longest I've been sober was six days we even know how long we went in yeah. the past you know how long we went without alcohol almost like marking those days off and then rewarding ourselves like we've done well now have a drink you've done well you've proved you can do it so you're not addicted yeah. And what sort of this time was different this time? Because obviously you're nearly two years. So what yes. was the change for you? Yeah, I've been using or trying to use what I would sort of loosely call the willpower method to stop drinking all my life up until the, the December 2020. And it was the wrong approach because all I was doing was I was basically I was all, I was still a drinker trying to be a non-drinker. And I realized to just before, I, as I went on this journey, that what I really needed to do was change my beliefs about who I am. And the book is all about how you can do this. It reveals the secret of what I went through and how I was successful in stopping drinking. And the fundamentals of it really are that I decided that I really wanted to be a non-drinker. And this is all based on lots of quit literature books I was reading, lots of sort of Asian philosophies. But the one that stood out was that there's a Buddhist teaching which says that everything we do, all the deeds that we do are based on our intentions. So if I, if I intend to drink, then I will do it. If I intend to be healthy or I intend to run a marathon, then I will try to do that to my better best of my ability. And so if you look at that and you explore it in a bit more detail. If you intend to do something, you do the deed. If you do lots of those deeds, they become habits. That habit can then lead to your character 
and the character can lead to your destiny. So the simple thing, the simple intention can actually just completely govern where you go in your life. So I started to explore what intentions are made up of, and they comprise of our values, our beliefs, our purpose, who we are in life. And I wanted to be, I wrote down on a piece of paper, the values that I wanted. I wanted to live to 60. I wanted to see my 60th birthday. I was, I was 17 and a half stone. I was too, I was overweight. I was not sleeping. I had anxiety. My blood pressure was up, heart rate, everything was wrong. I had tingling hands and my sleep was terrible. And this, yeah, massive list. And I knew, I absolutely 100% knew that was being caused by one thing. And that was my relationship with drink. Now, I wasn't drinking what I would call a lot, but uh, everyone is different. One glass of wine to one person could be like eight pints of beer to another. But for me, I was drinking around about a bottle of wine a day, but it was still enough to make me, to basically make me feel the way I did and be overweight and not healthy. So I decided the new me or the alcohol free me was going to be a healthy person. And so I wrote these values down, which were what I wanted to be. I wanted to be healthy. I wanted to be fit. I wanted to have great relationships with those around me. I wanted to be happy. And so I started working on that. Basically, I thought to myself, well, well what does a person who's healthy do? And Someone who has health as their main value in their life does not drink. They exercise and they eat the right foods. And so I started being this person. And okay, you can't be that person 100% believe it immediately on day one. But the longer you go into the journey, the more it becomes a reality. And so I, I used very simple positive psychology to actually change the story I was telling myself the story of who I am. And that story went from drinking Nigel to healthy, sober Nigel. And so I, when I started, I decided that what I'd done before is I'd set myself mountains to climb. I was giving up drinking and the words giving up mean that you're giving up, that you think alcohol is good because you've given something up. So I didn't take that approach this time. I assumed that I was already on the top of the mountain and the top of the mountain was alcohol freedom. So the journey was starting there. And that's the crucial thing that I did. I didn't set myself this big challenge of trying to get to this top of the mountain called you are now a non-drinker. I was already there. And so that mindset is massive because yeah, you can fall down the mountain a little bit, but it's not too far to get back up. So the cravings maybe took me down a bit, but then I got back up on there. I was a non-drinker from day one and I worked on that. I worked hard on that become that new person and the science shows that if you believe something and you do something I mean Aristotle said so a line like we are what we do and literally it's so true so if you start becoming the healthy living person and you do the things a healthy living person does every day within a month two months you are that person and it, and it changes it becomes the new habit and I've never looked back. And, I've, and, and when I did this, I literally wanted to share with others what was going on. I could not believe the, the changes that happened just from stopping that one thing, which was drinking. My sleep improved. I, I sleep seven hours a night solid. Um, 
I had my like five year GPT and I went into that and they said I was like five years younger. My heart rate had gone down almost 15 beats a minute. Cholesterol was A1. Chances of heart disease in the next five years was something like 4% or something really small. And so it was like, wow, I'm actually, when I was drinking, I was probably five years older than I was. And now I was five years younger, so I'd probably gained 10 biological years in the space of eight or nine months from drinking. Yeah. And did you do, did you try other things before you realized it was the alcohol that you needed to stop? Had you tried, I, I was sort of dieting, I was trying to lose weight. I was eating organic food. I was eating healthily, but still chucky. I was even drinking organic wine towards the end because I thought that was better for me. Did you try any of that, other strategies to try and get healthy before you realized the alcohol, the key thing, or did you know for a long time? The short answer is no. I knew really all my life that alcohol is bad for me. I just kidded myself all my life because of the lies we're told. It's all around us. In my book, I talk about the alcohol drinkers tribe. Alcohol is very tribal. So the minute you're born, it's around you. You might not notice it, but as a baby, if you looked up, you'd probably see your parents having a glass of champagne to, to, to <laughs> cheer on and look, we've got a new baby. But it's there everywhere. It's the adults all around you are drinking it and they're celebrating birthdays, weddings, funerals, work. If they're sad, they drink. If they're happy, they drink. It's everywhere. And our whole lives are built around it. The messages that come through the TV screens, the phones are all about alcohol's fun. Alcohol relaxes you. It makes you feel better. And you've got that bombardment of 99% of the messages you're getting around alcohol that are saying it's great. When the reality is, it's not. And it's probably one of the biggest ambivalent things out there, because once you scratch the surface slightly and you start to explore it and to see it, what it really is, it's not good for you. It's it, it, you can have fun without alcohol, but everyone says you can't. That's rubbish. It's a limiting belief. And I had loads and loads of fun before I started drinking. My childhood memories are great. I had fun. I wasn't drinking alcohol. Since I've stopped drinking alcohol, I've had some of the best days of my life. I just you know, laughing, having fun, being jovial. So it is rubbish. What I did, another part of the secret is when you look at your beliefs, you have to remember and be honest with yourself that we all walk around with hundreds of limiting beliefs, which, which, oh, I can't do that. Oh, I better wait another year before I do this. Oh, if I stop drinking, I wouldn't be fun. No one would like me. I wouldn't get on at work. It's all rubbish. And it's basically limiting beliefs to actually keep you in the alcohol drinkers tribe. And this whole process, which is in the first few weeks and few months, is all about writing down those limiting beliefs and seeing them for what they really are. And there's, again, in the book, there's, there's a couple of methods I used on myself, which, which really helped. And one of them I call the alcoholometer, which is a measure of how much neat or pure alcohol you're actually drinking. So for example, if you drink a bottle of wine, which is I don't know, 12, 12 and a half percent proof, if you drink eight of those bottles of wine, you're effectively drinking a whole bottle of neat, which is actually quite scary given that maybe three or four mouthfuls would make you go blind if you drank it straight and half a pint would kill you if you drank it straight. But I was putting away maybe a liter of neat alcohol a week. And that was just from a bottle of wine a day. So yeah, you have to put this in context that even at sort of a glass of wine a day, people are drinking approximately 20 liters of neat alcohol a year. 
if you put 20 liters of neat alcohol in front of someone and said, drink that, they'd tell you where to go because you would kill them. And they also wouldn't believe that they were doing that because no one really takes a step back and looks at what's going on. And it's things like that. That, that actually start to convince your unconscious mind that this drug, this alcohol sweetened poison that we drink will kill you. And it does. And it kills lots of people every year. I think it's one in 10 people in hospital beds in the UK are there because of something to do with alcohol. That's a, like a, an alcohol change UK statistic or an ONS statistic. It's scary stuff. So what I did and I would say this to anybody who's going on this journey, is open your eyes and start looking at it with more of a scout mentality. Don't look at alcohol. Don't buy the story that you're told every day. Look at it yourself and make the decision yourself. Because when you really do look at it, you'll realize that it's not solving your anxiety. It's actually causing your anxiety. It's not making you fun. It's actually making you quite unhappy. And that's the reality. And there is so many great things. It's like an endless list of positive things that happen to you as soon as you wake up and realize how bad this thing is. And that's what I did. I just sing from the rooftops about this. So I've written the book. I've taken time to qualify as a life coach specializing in helping people with habit change and changing their lives. And 55 is not too late. It's right. just the start. And so I read this great thing. There's this a book out, an American author, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but he basically said that if you think of your adult life as starting at age 20, and let's say you live to 90, everyone would like to live to 90. So you've got 70 years of adult life at 55. You're only 50% into your adult. At 65, you're only, you've still got 35% of your adult life left. This is, it's crazy. And a lot of people say, oh, I'm 25. I'm, I'm over the hill or I'm 35. It's too late for me. At 35, you've got like over 70% of your adult life left. It's madness to even think this way. So it's all about mindset. It's all about what the way you think about your life and being alcohol-free, I have a growth mindset. I don't have a static mindset. I'm always looking now to better myself, to actually do the things I want to do and make the people around me happy and enjoy my life with them. Yeah. Yeah, I think my, so mindset is so informed, isn't it? And all the subliminal messages and all the messages we've had around us the whole time that we've been bombarded with. And then when we take that step to get sober and getting sober is more as you say, than just putting down the drink and white knuckling it. We really have to work it and read. I read a lot of quick lit books when I first started and both of us gone on to, to write quick lit books because we know how helpful they are for people in helping. So A, you're not alone. You're not alone. You can do this because many people have gone before and done it and they're the communities and the people to follow in those footsteps. And it is our own individual learn, learning journey that we learn for ourselves but it's really important I think to have the support of others that have gone before as well to sort of kind of hold hands and walk with you because it really is a huge support and just some of the things you said there about the scary statistics that when we start looking that we do find out about and when we look at a bottle of wine because some of my friends have said, yeah, but these things only happen. It only causes cancer. It only causes brain damage and dementia if you drink loads and if you're really addicted. And that, my friends, 
is rubbish because when you look further, the reason why there is a restriction of 14 units a week, obviously, Nigel and I recommend because we know the joys of not drinking any units at all is so wonderful. We want it for everybody because you get to that place and wanting everybody to feel how we feel now. But if you were to drink 14 units in one session, you could end up on dialysis which is a kidney filtering machine. And people don't realise that. And I, even as a nurse, didn't realise. Yeah, you could end up on kidney dialysis at 14 units. So when we think a bottle of wine at 12.5% is just under nine units. You and I were drinking nine units a night. And also what I learned in my, my sort of research was actually a binge is just eight units. Is what's classed as an official binge. So you and I were having a binge drink every single night of the week because a lot of people in the UK think, well, I only have a bottle of wine a night. It's quite normal for a lot of people in the UK. Yeah. But when you look at the statistics, it's really actually quite scary. So when we can change that mindset and start to not believe the stuff we've been led to believe by the people that make lots of money, in fact, 13 billion a year in revenue last year, because one of the things I researched was, well, why? Why if this is, because we know it's the deadliest drug known to mankind it causes the most issues not only to the drinkers and themselves but to other people around us as well so it's like why do they keep advertising it why do they keep letting it go when all cigarettes and everything are banned well not banned but you know there's no advertising they're behind shutters there's horrific messages on the packaging yeah why is that not on on the bottles which i have a bit of campaign going for actually is let's start writing the truth on the bottles that it causes over three million deaths a, a year worldwide that causes cancer and dementia yeah I mean, we're, at the, we're at the start of this journey though i think i was at the airport like in the summer and there was an advert from tanqueray gin which is obviously one of the big united distiller brands but it was from tanqueray gin zero and it said that your holiday <laughs> wow which is the start because yeah that, that wouldn't happen a year ago <laughs> so there is what's going on here is gen z the younger generation coming through are not drinking as much as the older generation so the, the these big drinks companies they know that and they've made a zero version of everything that they've got so they're ready for it and and they're starting to advertise those messages as well so as soon as the the alcohol free camp starts putting the, those messages out there, then the old messages will become more diluted. So it, we are living at a time of change when alcohol is starting to become like cigarettes are now. It's going to take, you know, 10, 20 more years, maybe even longer, but it started. It just You just have to look at the number of alcohol-free choices there are now out there. And, and that's great. That's great. And the generation coming through as well. But, you know, back to your point about the government guidelines on 14 units a week to, to, to is safe drinking a maximum of 14 a week. Um, 14 units a week basically works out at seven litres of pure alcohol a year. And again, that's a lot of neat alcohol. So if you think about sort of seven milk, litre milk cartons next to oh. each other, the government say it's okay to drink that. And, and. When you look at it in those terms, it, there is a big con going on. Why would you recommend you drink that much poison a year and it's sort of within a safe framework? It's all wrong, I think. And I think longer term, this will change. And we are lucky enough to be living at this time now when 
you know, we're on the way, it's starting to happen. Yeah. yeah, and it's really exciting to be part of that, isn't it? And to be yeah. moving that along. And yeah, and, and as you say, a lot of the younger generation are not drinking now. I know quite a lot of people that don't drink. It's just not the thing. They'd rather go to the gym or go out for a walk or go for a run than go down the pub after work, which is great. And I was kind of horrified at first, actually, recently. I don't know if you saw it in Japan. Yeah, um, well, yeah, we're encouraging their youngsters to drink because it was having an effect on the economy. Unbelievable. I know. And at first I thought, well, good on the youngsters in Japan. And then I was like horrified of like how awful that they should do that and put that out there. And then I thought, well, actually, at least the Japanese government are being honest about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because are we not all doing that anyway in our governments? We're just being a little bit more un- underhand about it all. But anyway, let's move on about your book. So what gave you the idea about writing a book? What inspired you to do that? It was just everything I was learning. So I'd struggled for years to stop drinking and I'd finally found out how to do it. And I just felt that I really need to share this, this secret that I've found out. And part of uh, my journey is linked into walking. Uh, hence the book is called Walking Back to Happiness. I, because I was woke up on day two full of energy, feeling like I was a new me, I decided that I would start, I would challenge myself to to run a kilometre every day for the first month and see where it went. It wasn't very good on the first day. I couldn't even run a kilometre. I could only run about 200 metres and then I walked the rest. But by the end of the month, I was I could run that run that kilometre. And that was a huge sort of win for me to prove to myself that I, I can be fit, I can be healthy. But being in my 50s and not having the strongest knees, I thought that walking would be better. And I started walking, basically. I started doing these virtual challenges whereby you walk a distance and the, it actually goes towards a, a route that you're on. So I walked from Land's End to John O'Groats virtually. So every yep. step I took went towards that walk. And during that walk, I was effectively racing against my sister who was also doing it. And I worked out to win, I would need to do 15,000 steps a day. And because I run my own company, I need, I wanted to be in the office by around about nine and 15,000 steps for me is about nine kilometers. So every day I was walking nine kilometers by 9 a.m. And that's the name I gave my campaign to, to get fit. I basically walked nine kilometers before nine o'clock every day for almost 16 months. I've covered it well over 4,000, 4,500 kilometers, which is over 110, 120 marathons. And that's really made a massive difference to me because it's given me this sort of new exercise process that I follow. And I've created a Facebook challenge group whereby other people can join and actually take part. And we've got well, well over a hundred members now, people doing walks all around the world and posting their walks each day. But the, the thing about this is you don't have to do nine, nine kilometers. It's all about do something that's challenging for you. So. If it's 500 meters, great, get, get up early and go for a walk. That'll make you feel. And so the whole point of 9km by 9am is literally to challenge yourself and get up early, go for a walk, do some meditating when you're on that walk and start getting in tune with the present moment and what's around you and being more present in your life. So that's why I've effectively, I think, got fit is because I've been walking. And I've only been walking because I don't drink. And so it's the old drinking me would never do this. I wouldn't be able to do it. I wouldn't be able to get up early. I'd be lying in bed full of anxiety, wondering what I'd said the night before because I can't remember. And so, so the reality is it's, as soon as you stop the drinking, 
everything falls into place. The, your views or your mindset about exercise, your mindset about what food you eat, about how you sleep, how you are with other people, your connections, your relationships. Altogether, it just leads to better well-being. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's very important to look at that baseline, that motivation for you, isn't it? Because I have physical health issues and disabilities. So my baseline, and I, and I wrote a bit in, in my book about that as well, was that because that, sometimes it's exercise or running or walking, people are like <gasps> straight away and it puts people off. But it's about having your baseline and your motivator because my baseline is 200 feet a day. And if I can walk that, then fantastic. If yeah. I can do a little bit more, then that's great. If I don't quite make it that day, that's okay. I'll try again tomorrow. But it's about having that mindset and that motivation of, of it being okay if you don't achieve, but also having that to try and achieve. And how could you feel that when you do actually do that? And even for some people who may be sort of in wheelchairs and things as well, it's about trying to just wheel yourself out into the fresh air, even mm -hmm. if it's just the garden or onto the decking or getting out with somebody else or on your own or, or things like something I'm going to look into actually. Is, which I think I committed to do a few weeks ago on a podcast and haven't done it yet. So I commit again today is that there is some armchair or chair Zumba that they do locally. And I used to love Zumba and dancing. So I'm, I'm going to commit again. I will definitely do that today. I'm going to look into the armchair or the chair Zumba at a local area. And of course, the beauty, I'm not a great lover of technology, as many people know, but I'm a bit of a technophobe. But the great beauty with a lot of the internet now is that we can bring all these things into our own room, can't we? On the TV, through YouTube. That even if we can't get out, there's a little exercise, there's videos and stuff that we can do. And there's even sort of armchair yoga and exercises we can do now. It's about setting that goal. For some people, that goal might be actually getting out of bed and having a shower day. And I think it's about looking to the, I don't know about you, but I'm sure this is for me, is about finding the positives because we're very good in our old conditioned mindset of looking of oh I didn't do this today and I didn't do that and it's about but what did I do what did I manage to do and it might be that I got out of bed and I changed my pajamas it might be that I had a shower it might be that I did nine kilometers before 9am it but it's about looking for the gold and one of my favorite quotes is from the power of now actually because we talked about living in the now earlier from Metcart Tolly and about that the gold is within us we do have the gold inside us we have the magic inside us because we're all waiting for a miracle to happen especially when we're drinking I just keep drinking it'll be better it'll all go away and if I could just have more money if I could win the lottery if I could do this I could do that as you say just put down the drink we find the gold we find the miracle, we find the magic. And the great thing is that we then go on to want to pay back. And it's so great that we write these books and that because we want to share it with people. We want people to find what we found. And it feels great, doesn't it? You know, what you said there really resonates with me because one of the, the quotes that I read early on was the parable of the poor man, which is basically there's this, it goes something along the lines of, I can't remember it word for word, but it's like uh, there's this house and in this house, there's this poor man and it's just got floorboards and a chair in there. But underneath the floorboards that he's, this chair is on top of lies this huge treasure, but he is not aware of its existence. So you have this person who's there all his life 
he is actually rich, but he doesn't know he is. And the wealth is really nearby. And then the story goes on that there's another person who is living a life of misery and anxiety, but the truth of happiness is in their mind, but they just don't know where to look for it. And the thing about sort of going alcohol free is it really does put you on a course to find that treasure within yourself and where it is. And if you follow an alcohol free lifestyle and you start to meditate and become more calmer and more present, that treasure starts to reveal itself. And that's what happened to me. And, and basically it is one of the most wonderful things that could ever happen to anybody. And it's the truth and happiness are actually already inside you. You just got to know where to look for them. And, and I think that's what I try to get across in the book. And the feedback I've had so far has been really good with some people have said, this has changed my life. And that just makes me feel so good because that's why I did it. I literally wrote it to share with others. Yeah, it's not a simple process, but it's doable. And once you get going, just you almost kick yourself thinking, oh my God, this is great. Why didn't I do it earlier? But yeah. Yeah, definitely. That was my thing. I just wanted to make a difference to one person's life and writing my book. And I just didn't realize how much of a difference it was going to make to mine in actually doing yeah. it. And in actually sharing it. And actually, I've, I, in my book, I've got like resources and I've got Quitlet. I've got a Quitlet section because mine's the A to Z. So it's all in alphabetical order. And I asked sort of, some of my Sabre tribe on the I Am Sabre app to just shove, send me over some of their books that, that they were, um, that they, that has helped them. And yours was one of them, one of the lay. So you're actually in my book of the 9K and 9 9 9 9 9 9 yeah, we didn't know each other. And in fact, it's only just clicked now. So we're sitting here talking. I'm like, yeah, that's where I've heard of you before. Because yes, you did make a difference to that. That was one of their, their books, their favorite quick lit books. That they, oh, they brilliant. Did. Brilliant. Well, that's great to know. That's, Thank you for yeah. sharing that with me. Yeah, brilliant. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to meet you. I've Likewise. Unknowingly, <laughs> we've actually met. So is there anything else that you wanted to say? Where can we get your book? Yes, let's talk about that. Yeah. So basically it's on Amazon and it's in paperback, hardback and Kindle and it's $9.99. So it's less than two glasses of wine. So it's a really good investment. And yeah, and the 9KM by 9AM challenge is on Facebook. So if I'm on social media with, I do a daily video and daily sort of tips from my book and I'm 9KM by 9am and there's 9km by 9am.com. So yeah, if you want to follow me, that'd be fantastic. And you can find out about my books and my coaching as well. So yeah, that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> fantastic. Well, I'm going to head over to Amazon right now and go and buy your book because it sounds you've really inspired me to not walk 9k, but to read your book. And there's some great stuff in there by the because I, I love the Buddhist principles and the mindset and the whole mindset thing. It's really huge. And yeah. And I think for people listening, we, we talk about how wonderful sobriety is. It It's very, very scary in the beginning. We don't know how we're going to get through life without drink, without the next occasion, without drink. We, I had, and many of us have, that fear of never drinking again. But I just, because we do uncover lots of stuff as well. We uncover lots of glorious stuff and the gold and the magic. But there's lots yeah. of stuff that we have to work through. But eventually... And I think it was probably about four or five months for me. So it wasn't sort of um, years. It was four or five months when you start to get that fear of ever 
drinking again because yeah. you start to feel a picking up. We can't get complacent. We work it every day, but we realise what a much... We, we don't think so much about alcohol. We think more about sobriety, I think, don't we, day by day, and keeping that going. I literally never get cravings now. It's like 21 months on. I, 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 I think the last one I had was a was a Christmas time, when, which is sort of understandable because booze is all around you at Christmas, but it only lasted about five seconds. Um, and so there is a really strong light at the, at the end of the tunnel on this, because the, fur the further you go into the journey, the easier it becomes every day, because you're building that story that you are a non-drink. And that's crucial. You've got to start with the mindset that you don't drink anymore. And that's the way to close the door on it. But yeah, it is a journey. It's not a destination. It's every day. And, but it's fantastic. Just living an alcohol-free life is the best life you can lead. You just feel great. I do. And I, I, everyone else I talk to does as well. And I think it's communities like, like you've got with Sobertown that it's really important for people to join them because they're like tribes. You're, and you're with other people who don't drink. Uh, and the best thing to do when you don't drink is hang around with other people who don't drink as well, because that will reinforce your new identity. And so, yeah, well done on what you're doing. It's, it's going to be inspirational to everyone who joins it. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, and I think we have much, so much more in common with people that don't drink than I ever had with the people, my old drinking buddies, because it was kind of the drink that was holding us together. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been wonderful. We'll keep in touch. Now I found, well, we found each other on Instagram. We'll stay in touch. Which yeah, definitely. Nick. Yeah. And your book is Walking Back to Happiness and it is available on Amazon. So I'm going to head on over there now and purchase myself a copy. So thank you. Yeah, you've certainly inspired me today and put a big smile on my face with some of the things you've said. So that's fantastic. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. And lovely to meet you. Brilliant. And Thanks for having me on. Bye-bye. Bye-bye then.